You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. Welcome back, my friends, to the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. What are we chatting about today? What are we talking about? There is a new amendment to the city of Seattle's charter that addresses a way that some think, some business leaders and some of the homeless advocates think we could start chipping away at the homelessness problem here, the unhoused problem here in Seattle. A lot of cities are trying to come up with something to deal with the homelessness issue, which has exploded during the era of the coronavirus. That's what we're talking about today. If you're new here, thanks for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies, but I read the news. Let's get into it. Here we go. So this is a Seattle Times article, proposal to address homelessness in Seattle City Charter is met with intrigue and skepticism. Mm, some skepticism. I don't think that's going to work. Well, what's not working right now is the homelessness issue in Seattle. Okay, as business leaders and lobbyists were writing Compassion Seattle, that's the voter initiative to address street homelessness through changes to the city's charter, Gordon McHenry Jr. agreed to provide input, hoping to improve a document he thought could stoke political discord. Get something going, right? And when the campaign went public earlier this month, the United Way of King County Executive Director provided a statement for the launch, praising a clause in the proposed charter amendment that would require the city to provide more shelter and housing plus mental health and substance abuse disorder services for those experiencing homelessness. But McHenry isn't ready to entirely add his stamp of approval on Compassion Seattle, which would also require the city, here's the, here's the catch, the city to keep public spaces like parks and sideway, sidewalks clear of encampments. Uh-oh, this is, this is going to be controversial. There's going to be some uproar about this. If this thing gets close to going through, people are going to lose their minds. Uh, and he's not the only homelessness advocate with complicated thoughts about the measure underlining the touchy nature of the effort. Some people characterized us as boosters. We are not boosters, McHenry said in an interview last week. I think the concepts are worthy of support, but we have not endorsed it and we don't plan to until we have better clarity on funding the policy mandates and better clarity on the likelihood of successful implementation. Is this thing going to fly? Can they get enough votes to get this on the ballot and make it happen? It's been more than five years since Seattle declared a homelessness emergency. We've been in an emergency for five years, and it's only gotten worse. And tents have grown even more numerous during the pandemic. So it's no surprise that a campaign aimed at the issue is attracting major attention and donations. This is really about doing what we know works to get people inside, said downtown Seattle Association President John Scholes, who helped draw up the initiative, which news site Publicola reported on first. It's a big it's a big deal. Whether or not this will go through, that's kind of anybody's guess. It's the very early stages right now, but it is a step in the right direction if you want to see Seattle streets and sidewalks and public parks cleaned up. Maybe. Who know who knows what version of this will go through? 
it's it's just one of those things when it gets into the city politics, anything can happen. Yet the compassion Seattle campaign, which must submit more than 33,000 petition signatures to qualify for the November ballot, still has questions to answer voters to persuade and tensions to manage. Politicians, activists and experts spent last week trying to digest the proposals implications. And the campaign absorbed some criticism. If it didn't, then it probably isn't worth looking at, right? While the charter amendment would require City Hall to provide additional emergency or permanent housing, the proposal includes no extra revenue to pay for that increase in 24-7 shelter beds, tiny houses, hotel rooms, and apartments. Meanwhile, the measures mandate that Seattle keep public spaces clear as emergency and permanent housing are available is somewhat vague. That's what this says. It says, um, as emergency and permanent housing are available, if that's available, you got to keep the parks and the open spaces clear. Causing This causes some advocates to worry it could compel encampment removals they regard as cruel and ineffective, even though boosters say they have the opposite aim. Right now, literally right now, it's 1107 on a Friday morning at nine o'clock this morning. Um, city officials, along with police, started clearing out the homeless encampment at Miller Park, which I just released a video on, I think yesterday or maybe even this morning. So that encampment is being cleared out because school starts on Monday for that school and there will be kids in that school. And um, that's what they came up with. Ah, we got to clear out tents around the perimeter here. There's another school with a similar situation a little bit further north in Seattle. That homeless encampment is going to be allowed to stay. I'm going to read that one right after this article here because it, you know, both of them have to do with uh, homeless encampments and what are we doing and how are we addressing it. Um, so that's a it's a good article as well. So Charter amendments are relatively rare because the process is arduous and the stakes are high. Seattle's bedrock document can only be altered at the ballot by vote, and most provisions deal with governance, not programs. Execution would be another wild card. Mayor Jenny Durkin and the council would have, uh, have boosted spending on tiny houses and hotel rooms, but work to open the space has in some cases lagged. Voters will choose a new mayor this year. Durkin isn't seeking re-election, and the city is supposed to cede its homelessness response soon to a regional authority. What are you guys going to do? don't really know. The city council could, in theory, propose an alternative charter amendment, a charter amendment, and then another charter amendment, and then another charter amendment. Just we're going to have amendments flying back and forth, right? Like many in Seattle politics, Nicole Grant is intrigued by Compassion Seattle. If there was a place for everybody in Seattle to live, nobody would sleep in a tent, said Grant, who heads ML King Labor, the region's largest union group. At the same time, Grant wants to know what this would mean in the real world, not on paper. I hear so many people saying, but there's no place for those people to go. The the unhoused are asked continually, do you want to be placed? Do you want help being placed? And then I I hear stories about the unhoused saying, you know, you got to get a referral and you got to do this and you got to do that. So the spaces are there for them. It's, you got to hustle to try and get one. You, I mean, it's not, they're not going to just, you know, it's just not going to magically, and you're not going to end up in one. You, you know what I mean? So there's this back and forth of we've got the space, but homeless people don't necessarily want to take advantage of that offer. 
And, um, I, you know, I read a uh, podcast yesterday where what the city of Bellevue does is they ask multiple times, hey, would you like, you know, do you need mental health services? Do you need addiction issues um, worked on? You need a place to stay? We'll, we'll, we'll get you all those. We'll connect you with those services. Bellevue police will say, a couple of times, and that's the city I live in, Bellevue. They will they will go through and do this multiple times for somebody living in a park or living somewhere where they, you know, it's not authorized in a in a tent or you know we don't really have t- any tent encampments here. And that was the reason I read the podcast yesterday was to give an explanation for what does the city of Bellevue do to avoid that. And they basically offer up the whole, the person that's unhoused all the services that they might need, and they offer to physically take them there, make arrangements to get them there. And if there are places available for them, then and if they don't take advantage of that opportunity, then they are removed. Simple as that. They're, it's just, that's the way it goes in Bellevue. But in Seattle, we don't do that. It's And that's why this has just really gotten out of control, especially during the coronavirus, because the CDC said, don't sweep anybody, don't sweep any of the homeless encampments, because that could, um, you know, that could spread the, the COVID-19. Whether or not it actually does, the stats on that, I haven't really seen. But, you know, that's, that's what's been mandated. And so people kind of follow the CDC. And that's what we're dealing with. So we want to know what does this amendment, this homelessness housing amendment, what does it really mean? Compassion Seattle's brain trust includes Shoals, plus former city council member Tim Burgess and leaders from neighborhood business associations who are the campaign's registered officers. They polled voters, quietly drafted language, and then consulted with some nonprofits. They're coming up with the plan because this is impacting them probably the greatest. They can't do business in a lot of these areas or their business is, is impacted. Um, an April 1st news release included supportive statements from the Downtown Emergency Services Center. That's a big one. Uh, the Evergreen Treatment Services, the Public Defender Association, and Chief Seattle Club. Those are all associations with, um, with homelessness that are, that are big players. And so there were supportive statements from these folks. Some stakeholders described the proposal as a bargain between business groups who have previously lobbied for encampment removals and nonprofit organizations that help homeless people. The parties say they now agree that non-congregate living spaces with services rather than mats on the floor are the ultimate answer. And I, I think especially going forward post-COVID, you're going to have to have some different situations you can't just have the dormitory style where you stack up a whole bunch of people or have them just so close um because of the whole COVID thing i mean it's it's not a reality that we're going to go back to that situation so moving forward you're going to have to come up with some different visions of the actual housing that the unhoused are going to be you know they're going to be put up put up in until they can get back on their feet whatever that means whatever journey they take i'm glad to have this vision clearly stated and endorsed by such a wide range of people daniel malone executive director of ds or desc uh said in a statement, the charter amendment would require 1000 additional units of emergency or permanent housing within six months, and another 1000 within 12 months. It would also require the city to help King County fund rapid response mental health and substance abuse disorder services. As emergency and permanent housing are available, the amendment says the city would need to ensure that public spaces remain open and clear of encampments. That's a big one. So we are coming right out and saying, 
you know, we got to do something. Here's a proposal. Let's see where it goes. Under the proposed amendment, Seattle would be required to allocate at least 12% of its general fund to human services, including homelessness, and would have to support the Regional Homelessness Authority. Land use regulations, taxes, and fees would be waived for projects serving homeless people. I'm okay with that. You got to get something going. You got to you know, get rid of a bunch of these hurdles that are going to stop this process from taking some kind of traction. Using a charter amendment to set policy is not typical, said University of Washington law professor Hugh Spitzer. More common are changes like a 2013 voter approved amendment that converted seven citywide council positions to district seats. So usually constitutions and charters don't have this level of detail. But sometimes people want to entrench a concern to make darn sure it happens and make it difficult to dislodge. They want to get something going here, right? The charter could be a clumsy vehicle to use because the homelessness crisis is a moving target, former council member Nick Licata added. Nearly 3,800 people were unsheltered in Seattle last January, according to an annual estimate. The city budgeted for more than 2,700 shelter spaces, tiny houses, and hotel rooms this year. According to the council, a $12 million boost last month could add many more. And there's federal money that's being used right now to uh, set up the unhoused in hotels. But that money isn't there forever. So the city's going to have to come up with some more permanent solutions. And this is the exact same stuff that's happening across the United States. Got this boom of homelessness that has really taken off during the coronavirus It hasn't taken off in Bellevue because we kind of nip it in the bud. And maybe the city you live in, they do the same thing. It's just how it's handled. So it comes down to city politics, whether you've got homeless encampments surrounding schools or not. More than 70% of likely voters polled in February supported the amendment's approach, according to Compassion Seattle, which didn't share the exact wording of the poll. Howard Bahar, a retired Starbucks executive who lives downtown, already has donated to the campaign. I trust Tim Burgess. He's progressive, but not in a permissive way, Bahar said. We've got to get people housed and treated. We can't go on like this. Who wants to come to a city with human feces on the streets and urine smell everywhere? You know, I joke about the let's play dodge the human feces on the sidewalk game, but it's really a horrible scenario when you literally have to go past this kind of stuff. And for the people living there, I mean, this is where they are. Maybe they just couldn't make it to the restroom. Maybe they don't care. Who knows? But this is going on on the daily and it's not a good look. So people know they need to, we need to clean this stuff up. But then there's a certain segment of the population who is like, these people don't have anywhere to go. You can't just kick them out of their home. I think the issue there is these people do have a place to go. They don't want to go there. That's the bottom line. And for a number of reasons, some of them, which I can't really blame them. But when you're in this scenario, and if you're trying to get, you know, if you're trying to get going, you may have to make some choices that you don't like and suck it up and go do stuff. That's kind of the hard reality of this. But um, yeah, there's no great answers. And I think this proposal makes a lot of sense. What does it look like in its, you know, final, final um, draft? I don't know. But um, I read through it. And I think it looks pretty solid to me. But I'm not an expert on this kind of uh, proposal either. There could be some stuff in there that, um, you know, goes over my head. But for the most part, I'm like, okay, yep. As long as you're doing something and addressing the issue, 
I am kind of for it. You know what I mean? Some, some, there's some action. There's an action plan in place. We're not just talking about it. There's something being done. I'm, I'm for that. I'm okay with that. A different, a different type of support comes from Chief Seattle Club Executive Director Colleen Echohawk, whose organization works with people experiencing homelessness and who's running for mayor. In a statement last week, Echohawk said the proposal would treat the homelessness situation like the emergency it is and would prohibit removals unless there is a place to go. That's that's fair. I mean, okay, if there's no place for you to go, we don't have an option for you, you stay put. Guess what? The city's got options. It does, right? And this was according to her interpretation. So she's okay with it as long as you know, the conditions are met. The amendment would bypass City Hall, which could appeal to voters impatient with the mayor and the council, who've basically done nothing, right? But just let it get worse. I know they care, but they just don't seem to get the job done, Bahar said. But Compassion Seattle is a political beast nonetheless. Its architects include Scholes, Burgess, Tim Lobbyist, Tim Sees, and Metropolitan Chamber of Commerce President Rachel Smith. Donors include real estate titans Vulcan, that's Paul Allen, and Clyde's Properties. Not party to the effort was Harold Odom, who lives in a tiny house village in Georgetown and co-chairs the Regional Authority's Implementation Board. I want people to be at the table, he said, concerned the initiative could complicate the authority's work. All right, but it's doing something, right? I mean, you got to get something going. You got to step, probably step on some toes here, right? To Tiffany McCoy, the measure just doesn't smell right. For years, business leaders have opposed progressive taxes that could pay for more housing, even as a tech boom has exacerbated Seattle's wealth gap. The Charter Amendment's imprecise language might be cited by Seattle's next mayor to justify encampment removals. Uh, I don't are we going to vote in a uh, mayor that would actually do that? I, this is Seattle. I don't think so. Which would slow down, which, which have slowed uh, the encampment removals, which have been slowed during the pandemic due to public health guidance, the CDC suggested McCoy. Burgess laid out his vision in a January op-ed. While calling for the city to increase access to treatment services, he also decried the council's tolerance and accommodation on encampments. Totally agreed. Burgess is a member of the Seattle Times Project Homeless Advisory Board. It's a lot of bad faith and smoke and mirrors, McCoy said, predicting business lobbyists will use the initiative as a wedge in this year's elections. They want to get rid of visible poverty. It's not about dealing with the root issue. So he's saying they just want to, you know, shoo it underneath the, you know, brush it underneath the table, brush it underneath the rug, however you want to see it. And as long as it's not visibly there, then we don't really care about it. I don't think that is it. I think um, people do care about other people. And they want them to get the services they need because they're not getting help on the sidewalk. Right? Durkin declined to comment on Compassion Seattle, not shocking, but the proposal already is dividing her potential successors. Andrew Grant Houston, an architect and urban designer, described Compassion Seattle last week as a plan to ramp up encampment removals that, do, that, that doesn't help. I don't know. I, I would tend to disagree. Former state Republic, uh, representative Jessen Farrell said she supports the measure and doesn't think it would allow rampant removals. Former council member Bruce Harrell praised the effort. Funding is another source of tension. 
because the amendment includes no new revenue. The chamber is suing over the jumpstart tax on large corporations that the council passed last year. So the minute something like this goes through, there's going to be a bunch of kickback. Just going to have to see how it goes, right? Seattle budgeted $175 million for human services this year, or about 11% of its general fund. That's only $15 million less than the 12% the amendment would require. But 2,000 units of shelter and housing with services would likely cost more than that and add up to $100 million, Scholl said. Well, we are temporarily spending millions and millions and millions of dollars as a city right now anyway, right? I mean, so let's come up with some solutions instead of just trying to throw a Band-Aid on this bad boy every single time somebody points at the homelessness issue and goes, what are we doing there? Well, we're just putting some band-aids on and hoping it goes away. Low-Income Housing Institute Executive Director Sharon Lee, whose nonprofit uh, provides services at Seattle's existing tiny house villages, said she worries the charter amendment could pull resources from other needs. Okay, yep, that's probably true. But this is a priority. This is a big priority, in my opinion. City Council President Lorena Gonzalez, also a mayor at Seattle mayor candidate, is still learning about Compassion Seattle and has requested a staff analysis, she said. She wants to know how the mandate would mesh with existing plans. If it does anything at all, it's got to be better, right? When council members passed their jumpstart tax, they earmarked more than $100 million annually starting in 2022 for low-income apartments. Those units will be needed as outlets from shelters, Gonzalez said. Council member Andrew Lewis isn't too anxious about revenue, he said, considering how much money Washington, D.C. is pumping into COVID-19 recovery with an estimated $240 million headed to Seattle. Okay, but that is not permanent money. That's temporary money, right? The city also could slice from elsewhere, such as the police department. Yeah, and we know how well that goes. That's a terrible idea. Don't even bring that up. It alternately could couple the initiative with higher business taxes. It could, or you could just tax people more, or you could tax anything more, and you'd provide more more revenue. These kind of statements drive me nuts. It's like, yeah, that's true, but does that make any sense? Voters should know the council has in the past six months approved spending on hundreds more hotel rooms and tiny houses in line with Compassion Seattle. And yet, we've got more tents now than ever before, right? So what's the dealio? The campaign's view. The Compassion Seattle campaign insists the city has has plenty of money thanks to the jumpstart tax, COVID-19 relief dollars, and the ability to reallocate resources. It's been the city's policy to spend the last dollar on this crisis to wait around for the next tax, Scholl said. We need to prioritize the first dollar. Start spending. Scholz rejected the idea that the Charter Amendment was crafted to promote encampment evictions, blaming critics who want to keep the same old fights raging. This is about bringing people inside, not chasing people around, he said. And how many times have I talked about when one homeless encampment gets swept, they end up going somewhere else? I was coming back home from Seattle last night, and because the sweep was happening right now on Miller Park in Seattle, which is about a half mile east of uh, the CHOP area, in Capitol Hill, um, I saw two different homeless individuals with their shopping carts and all their stuff, all their possessions, all their gear going down the road. So that usually indicates there's a sweep going on and they had to be out by nine o'clock this morning when the sweep was starting. So, you know, I saw that and they end up just going somewhere else and they're going to, 
you know, camp somewhere else outdoors, wherever they choose to kind of see fit. And so literally, you're chasing them around, because those guys were probably in the homeless encampment at chop till that got swept. Now we got a sweep of Miller Park. I mean, it just it keeps going instead of getting these guys the help they need. Maybe they don't want the help. That's also another issue that we don't ever seem to kind of really focus on here. Already, federal court rulings have limited what cities can do to crack down on encampments without offering shelter to occupants. Compassion Seattle is meant to build on that, requiring higher shelter standards with services like those provided by Just Care, Scholl said. Born during the pandemic, Just Care connects people on the streets with hotel rooms and intensive case management, which is what they need, right? Somebody could be evicted under the amendment's mandate, as is the case today, but they would be less likely to decline help with better options. They do have options. I think it's just difficult. This whole thing is just so convoluted and so difficult because you've got government in there and you've got people who, you know, are at the end of what we would consider their rope most of the time. And they're just kind of living in that situation. It's a horrible position. Um, horrible position all the way around, right? Though businesses and nonprofit leaders have worked closely before, battles over taxes and council races tinged by a nasty narrative on homelessness recently seem to evaporate any middle ground. This looks like a return of the coalition of the reasonable, he said. The situation with the encampments is untenable. There's a dramatic need for these 2,000 units. Okay, agreed. I mean, you walk around Seattle and you walk around to Portland and walk around San Francisco. I don't think you can say there's no need for, you know, additional housing because there's a ton of people living in tents on the sidewalk and, you know, in downtown parks and in parks surrounding schools. Still, dealing with a debate over revenue and understandable concerns about encampment removals is going to be tough. It's an uphill battle. It's a brutal deal. Okay, that's it for this one. I am going to uh, I'm going to read to you uh, the homeless encampment near North Seattle school will be allowed to remain. This one's crazy. I don't understand it. If I was a parent, I would be up in arms. And there's a you know, there's a lot of parents who are, Um, I wouldn't want my children to be in proximity to this kind of influence. And I'm not saying that all unhoused people are bad. But there's if you look at the 911 calls coming out of these encampments, it is not pretty. If you watch the news and see the news stories of what happens in these encampments, it's not good. I mean, and the people that living in them come right out and say, Oh, yeah, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of guns. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of assaults. And, you know, the 911 calls confirm that and we know that and that's why eventually they tend to get swept out because it's a safety hazard. And when you put it right next to a school, it's even worse. So the proposal to, to address the homelessness, we've kind of capped that we're going to go through, you know, what one school is kind of doing right now, a homeless encampment near our North uh, Seattle elementary school uh, through middle school will be allowed to remain at least for now, with students set to return in-person instruction on Monday, April 19th. That's this coming Monday. The encampment, composed of roughly 40 tents, is situated on an adjacent property directly behind Broadview-Thompson K-8, through just north of Seattle's Bitter Lake neighborhood. This is like North Seattle. So call it, is it, uh, I think it's 130th, so call it eight miles to the north of downtown Seattle. According to Seattle Public Schools, the camp is not on school grounds, but on district property that is separated from the school with a secure fence. Oh, that's comforting. Oh, that, that's great. My elementary school 
uh, children are separated by, uh, yeah, we think it's secure. It's probably pretty secure. Is there a way around that fence? Probably. Can you climb that fence? Probably. This doesn't make me feel good, right? Given its, its proximity to the school, students, families, and staffs are being asked to enter and exit facilities from a separate entrance along Greenwood Avenue. Don't mind the homeless encampment in the back. Just go through the front. We'll ignore that that's there. It's going to be okay. I mean, that is literally what we're saying here. A gate separating the encampment from the school has, all, has been locked and will remain that way for the time being. Oh, thank heavens the gate is closed. Are we just totally ignoring the reality of this scenario? It kind of feels that way, doesn't it? It's like, ah, this, nothing could go wrong here. Homeless encampment, elementary school through middle school. Uh, nothing can go wrong here. Seattle Public Schools noted in a Thursday statement to Cairo Radio that it believes that simply removing them from district property won't result in a permanent solution. It will for the kids that go to school there. The homeless encampment won't be there. Given that the campers often move between city and district-owned properties, that's the reason that they are giving that, uh, that it won't result in a permanent solution because these people, the homeless people, move around. Well, that's what they do. We continue to coordinate with the city, building staff, and families to implement long-term solutions that prioritize the well-being of our school community and care for unhoused residents, Seattle Public Schools spokesperson Tim Robinson said. How is that caring for the families sending their kids there? I am missing the connection. Yeah, so there's a, a massive disconnect here, right? The, the Seattle Public School is saying... Ah, uh, yeah, because the homeless move around a lot, you know, they move between city and district owned properties. Yeah, if we boot them out, I mean, and that's, you know, we're not really creating a long term solution. Whew, if I was a parent, I, I would figure something out, right? Got to figure something out. You can't have your kids around this. Or, or are you just a parent who's like, ah, this is going to be okay. It'll work out. It's no big deal. On a larger scale, Seattle school board leaders have been adamant in its opposition to the removal of homeless camps. What's wrong with you? That was outlined, outlined in a joint statement from board president Chandra Hampson and director Zachary DeWolf in early April, where they said that sweeps should never be performed on school grounds adjacent or elsewhere in this city. I disagree. I disagree. What world are you living in? This comes amid city-led efforts to remove a separate homeless encampment near Capitol Hill's Meany Middle School. That's the one that's happening right now. Like literally, it's being done right now. As I, as I record this, on Wednesday, notices were post, posted ordering residents to remove all personal property from the area by 9 a.m. on Friday, today, right now. At Meany Middle School, we have been working with the city to encourage a compassionate transition to shelter for people living on adjacent city property, improving signage that highlights camping prohibitions on district property and creating buffers on school grounds. City outreach workers say that all residents of Miller Park have been offered shelter as of this week because there's space for them. That includes space at the city's low barrier navigation center enhanced shelter, the Jan and Peters Place Women's Shelter, the Executive Hotel Pacific. That's the new one that just uh, got dedicated to being a, a homelessness. Uh, couple hundred rooms, I think, and occasionally availability at tiny home villages. Okay, so 
we've got a sweep going. We've got one camp that is going to remain because the school board is basically saying, yeah, we're, we're not moving them. We're, we're okay with it. It's okay. Am I alone here? Or is this just something that doesn't make a lot of sense? It doesn't make any sense to me. But there's a lot of things in Seattle that don't make any sense to me that I just can't really figure out. Um, it's like, why are we okay with this? And I think it's because it's just like you get used to something over time and you don't really realize how crappy it is until you go elsewhere and you look at the parks and go, wow, that is a really, that's a damn nice park. Huh? Look at all those people. Look at those people walking their dogs and playing with their kids, playing Frisbee. And then meanwhile, over in Seattle, <laughs> you've got people doing that as well, but it's surrounded by tent encampment. It just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. But as far as the parents go, I mean, I haven't read a lot from the parents, but what I have read, they're not real pleased. And that's the real human element here that I think is being, that is being missed is that you've got kids next to an environment that um, is not a positive one. Let's put it that way. That's not a positive one. And again, I'm not trying to sweep, you know, undesirables or whatever you want to call them, you know, let's, let's put a negative spin on it. You know, um, I'm not trying to, to say, hey, let's just get rid of the unhoused people. And we'll call it a day and we'll just ignore it. No, I, I think they need help. I've, you know, I've kind of said that all along. They need a lot of help. That's why they're on the streets. Or they're there by choice, a lot of them, because of their lifestyle. This is a lifestyle choice. It's easier to do what they do there and not have to get clean, not have to work, just do their thing. And as a result, these areas get impacted by the element that that brings. And we all know what that is. It's, it's crime. It, it, it's just straight up. So if you want to have your kids, you know, going to a school, or if you want to have your grandkids going to a school, you know, that's, that's an option here in Seattle. I don't hear that elsewhere. But man, it's crazy, right? Did a podcast yesterday, um, and I literally went through why Bellevue doesn't have any encampments. It's super basic. They follow the law, and they enforce it. But Seattle, in their compassion, doesn't do that. And I don't think that's necessarily compassion. In letting your fellow human being shoot themselves up silly until they, they're dead, that isn't a real solution either. I mean, getting people help, getting them into housing, getting them the mental services they need, getting them the detox and or the follow-up uh, rehab, whatever it is that they need, that's what they need, not to be living in a tent in a park next to a school. Crazy times, right? All right, that's it for me on this one. Thanks so much for being part of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I'm going to go record another one. I'm not sure what it's going to be. I've got a bunch of options. Thank you all for sending in um, the stories that you do. Also, I'm hearing a bunch of you say, hey, YouTube is no longer notifying me when you have new content that comes out. So you may need to recheck your settings on your um, whether you subscribe to me. And if you haven't subscribed, love to have you subscribe. So subscribe, hit that notification bell. It's all you can do. YouTube's trying to censor people who are reasonable. That's me. All right. Thanks again for being here. And thank you guys for being reasonable as well. We'll catch up next time. Thanks for being here. We'll see you then. Bye. Don't forget, 
forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.